0: Hey, all right, this is Tim Chris, and you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast
1: with Brendan Kelly. Brennan, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? Uh, you know, I am good. I have a sense of righteous outrage that permeates the um, entire nation right now, I think. Um, well, 52% of the nation, uh, you know, um, and... Um, we just had uh, Chris Number 2 on. Did that actually like already like appear? I mean, by the time everybody hears this... It, you it mean we're... on our
0: Patreon, patreon.com slash Sandwich. That's
1: exactly what I mean,
0: Tim, yes. That conversation did appear on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Sandwich, And we are here this week on Road to the Skeleton Coast to talk about... Well, to finish off Metropole from last week, to open up the book on Slapstick... But it is funny that you mentioned our Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich, because not only do we have an interview with Chris number two,
1: we also talked to Matt
0: Allison.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. So, it, strangely enough, in their own ways, they're both righteous insurgents. I mean, like, I don't know if you've read, like, any mm-hmm. of, like, the articles Matt Allison's written about, like... Just like, you know, how can we repeat the mistakes of Vietnam? You know, like stuff like that. Right. Like it, it, he, it, he's just he's got a, a, an incredibly astute political mind, and he's like so so intelligent, and and he and he writes very like you know it's here's the fucked up thing about these times, Tim. Uh huh. Matt Allison writing a common-sense piece of well-researched journalism seems like a radical move, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, how right. dare you know history, have actually done your research, and then say, uh, this didn't work last time. <laughs> like, it's not going to work this time. <laughs> and people are – and, like, I read it and, like, I, I'm uh, – I mean you know – I've been I've been I've been in bands for a long time. Uh I started out, I don't know if you know this, ska band. Uh <laughs> and, and and like even with my like lifetime in the world of insurgent and like politically aware um punk rock, I read Matt Allison's articles and I'm like, wow, that's radical. And it's like that shouldn't be radical at all. You know, that should right. be some just like straight up like I don't know, like Woodward and Bernstein, muckraking journalist shit. That's like not that is, while important, shouldn't be seen as outside of what you just expect from, from reading something. You know? Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> it would. Uh, it would be great if the uh, government didn't continue to make. A whole lot of dumb mistakes that cost a lot of
1: money for taxpayers. Yeah, yeah, that would be, that'd be nice. Um, but without those mistakes, we wouldn't have those tax bills. And <laughs> those are important. And without those mistakes, we
0: wouldn't need to pay more to prevent them from ever happening again.
1: Right? Yep, that's,
0: that's how it works. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, I mean, I think in Chicago the the amount of like just the settlements from the Chicago Police Department, you know, just wrongly destroying you or your neighbor, or whatever that are yeah. out there, uh, it, the annual like settlement bill. Is something so ridiculously large that, like, w- without even taking into account, like, the flak jackets and they're, like, you know, t- asteroid proof helicopters and shit like that. Which uh, we all
0: know from the uh, history of government spending, all of those are, we're not, they're not overpaying for any of those things.
1: No, yeah, it's true. That's true. No, that it is a, a, a genuine $7,500 hammer. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, <laughs> you know, being used, but no, like the, the, um, yeah, just the settlement bills alone are enough. Like the the thing I heard the other day and this isn't right, but it was something like could afford to send every kid that now lives in Chicago to, to college, <laughs> like <laughs> every year, like, <laughs> like that, that's how much they spend, you know? And it's just like, huh? You know where that money would be so much better spent? And you know what would cut down on crime? <laughs> Is getting rid of the police and sending everyone to college. Right? Like, I like—I guarantee you that makes the... What, then what's the crime? Fucking uh, too much tequila in the punch? Like, you know, like it's... <laughs> yeah
0: okay. ate too much ecstasy and uh got too depressed to go to friday morning class
1: yeah and and i I think that there's like you know people are like, well if somebody comes in and like you know rapes you what are you gonna what are you gonna do without the police? it's like still be raped uh like, <laughs> <laughs> I show me the time when a cop showed up and stood between a rapist and a Victim, you know, like, uh, it, it, and what what I hear actually much more often is about cops actually raping people, and I hear a lot yeah. about cops not believing the victims of rape. I mean, like, so it's like I bring up that crime, it's obviously a particularly heinous crime, um, but it's it's one that people like to throw out. It's like, well, what if there's no cops? What about the rapists? It's like cops don't stop rapes cops have never stopped the rape cops have perpetrated rapes cops have shown up and shamed people for being raped and probably on like a couple of ca- occasions if the girl was white enough and the guy was black enough cops have thrown people in jail for rapes but uh <laughs> those are pretty much the fucking circumstances in which yeah. that happens and like <clears throat> and and then in in those circumstances uh, whether or not that guy was the raping guy is not, <laughs> just, that becomes irrelevant. You know, it's, uh-huh. more, it's more just like this like uh, race poker that they're doing. <laughs> they're right, like, oh, right. You know, I'm going to throw this guy in jail. He looks like a rapist. You know, and, which is. Uh, anyway, defund the police, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I just think of like all of, the, all of
0: the times that people have gotten their ass tied in a knot about the way that they were treated at a restaurant. And it's like, you know what? You're not going to go back to that restaurant. That's cool. That's your decision to make. I feel like if the cops were a fucking hot dog vendor, I wouldn't want to go there. I would go to a
1: different hot dog vendor if I had the option. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't totally know what you mean. Well, okay, if in theory, Tim, uh, democracy works in such a way that we elect our police chiefs, right? And and so, and we trust them to put the right people on the right streets and stuff like that. Um, uh, so, in theory, you have a say. Right. Mm -hmm. The problem Mm -hmm. is the entire idea of policing, whatsoever. The problem is the militarization of local police. The problem that I mean, and I mean that so much. I I think that's one of the most uh, underrepresented issues about why policing in this country is so bad. If you give everybody like a Voltron to drive around in, you know then you're going to attract shitty little boys who want to drive around in a Voltron and, like, carry a bazooka, you know? Like And, and it's like, that shouldn't be the way you fucking uh, outfit a police squad, you know? There shouldn't be, like, a car that somebody could get in and go, holy fuck, I could drive right through all these a, a, a riot of people and through a fire and everything would be fine. In fact, you should have a car where you can't, like if cops <laughs> in fucking convertibles. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, it, like it, it, it's. It, it, but the, as as long as we're like outfitting outfitting everyone like Dragon Ball Z shit, like it, it's it's gonna be. It attracts the wrong people and it creates a fucking weird ass vibe like uh where i'm driving around i am a cop in this scenario and i've got like the the two electric swords strapped to my back and my like helmet that makes me look like darth vader and mm-hmm. i'm in a car that like i need to like literally put a little ladder down from to get out of or whatever <laughs> and it and, you know, and you can't see inside at all. And then there's a guy on the street who sees that shit and is like, Well, that guy's evil. You know <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> like, like it's just right there it's just like, Yep, I'm so tough I can't be touched and then the other guy's like, I don't trust him. And then there you go. There's your there's your community fucking safety. You yeah, know, p- put cops in convertibles and give them like fucking muskets. And they can still show up and make fun of people for being raped, uh, but they're not going to kill as many people, you know? Right, right. (laughs) I think that
0: um, it's been – it has been (laughs) encouraging to see um, the Black Lives Matter and talks about police reform really are seeming to – the message is being sent to people who are rejecting it five years ago. It's fucked up that they didn't, but – They're coming around to it. And I think that if you start to break the police down into terms that people understand, which is, do you want to pay taxes for this? You shouldn't have to pay taxes for this. That's a really good conversation that any one of us can have with, like, family members who maybe they don't connect with on an ideological sense if there's somebody that is in your family that's just fucking racist and that's what it is then you're not gonna get anywhere with them but if there's you know <laughs> they probably, if they if probably fucking, work at
1: the police force uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know there you go if your fucking <laughs> uncle if your dad your brother is uh is just someone who doesn't want to pay taxes and wants black people to succeed it's a very easy argument for you to make to say hey uh we we shouldn't have to pay for police for these communities because it costs so much money and it's not doing anything and watch what happens cuz it'll just be success and that's what everybody wants everybody feels better when everybody's doing better
1: yeah i mean i think to to just clarify and i know exactly what you said and you didn't misspeak at all but i just want to just make it very clear that the uh uh what what Tim is saying is we shouldn't have to pay taxes for police for any communities. Not just like uh why would we pay why would we pay taxes for black people to have police? You know, but like which Frankly, that's accurate also. And, like, you didn't misspeak, you know, because it's like, why, why would I pay taxes to send racist police into a neighborhood full of people who are right. just trying to live, you know? <laughs> but I feel like there's, like, uh, even, even with the most, like, carefully worded uh, intentions, you know, somebody some, – there's, some, there's somebody out there that's – like, this is like what we were talking about with number two yesterday – it's like uh-huh. when, when you're, when oh, you're over on patreoncom slash better sandwich. That's exactly right. Um, when you're when you're over on the left, man, you, you can never be too careful about policing your own words because there's somebody out there whose only identity is policing your words. You know, and uh, and so I just I just wanted to, to underscore what you said, even though you said it exactly right. And it, <laughs> you didn't say anything weird. Thank you. I appreciate that,
0: and um, I invite anybody who's spending their time uh, watching what I of fucking all people uh, say. It, and if you're a, if you're a fucking uh, what about white dude who's like whoa, it's like. You could find, there, there are bigger fish to fry than fucking Tim Crisp in his shitty office with a beach towel on his table to prevent <laughs> Echo from talking into his microphone. But Brendan, there was something that happened on Twitter last night. Um, I'm not even going to bring up the fact that you don't follow me on Twitter at Better Yet Pod. but I, I fucking loved it. Someone said to you, why don't you make a record or an EP uh, that's about the police? And you said, "See every fucking record I've ever made." By <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a, and it's true, you know. And um, and over on Patreon, we get into this a little bit more. But like the 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 truth is, if you come up in an, okay, first of all, to just the to grow up in America is to be aware of race, right? There is no There's no aspect of existence that does not in some way get informed by race, whether it's like uh, the uh, unwitting privilege and therefore complete dismissal of anybody who seems to have a legitimate gripe or a legitimate gripe or anything in between, right? Like, you know, you mm-hmm. are, by living in America, by walking across the street in America, you're doing something that has to do with race, right? Um, and, and I think that's also tied in to the sort of proto-fascist, not even proto-fascist, actively – fascist police state that we live in. Um I mean I was just talking about people in like fucking Darth Vader cars. Like it it's mm-hmm. it's it's future fascist army in the streets shits for real. And uh especially as like a insurgent. You know, I mean if you're if you're uh in in a marginalized culture, you know, whether you're queer, Latino, or Black or fucking uh, little person or whatever, like you're gonna be so hyper aware of, uh, of of the cops and of what that does to you. Just like having that around, that that fear. And for me, as a as a white guy, and like uh, you know, like like I don't stand out in a crowd. I just like. Am, what? uh my internet connection was just unstable for a second so. yeah I
0: lost you for for a bit there. The last thing I heard you say was little person
1: <laughs> yeah good um <laughs> like yeah but but like what if if you if if you're in a group that's like you know mar, uh marginalized your 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 reality is dictated a lot by your understanding of where the cops are, what it means to be around anybody of authority, what it means to be um, in the presence of, like, sort of the, uh, I I don't like this term, I'm using finger quotes, dominant culture, and and, and where you fit in with regards to that, right? Um, For me, as a white guy that's, Doesn't really stand out in a crowd. You know, it's not, I don't have an extra arm or anything like that. You know, uh, no shout out to my three arm brothers out there. But uh, (laughs) um, uh, for me, it was punk rock was the thing that did the job of just like being born Black would do where, you know, like people that were like, they were like, it was like, these are problems, um, you know, in in this world, can you believe you've been blind to this injustice? And I'm like, no, I cannot believe I've been blind to this injustice. Uh This is terrific. And, and, you know, like, I'm so glad that I know this now punk rock. Thank you. We, meanwhile, uh, which is so fucked up because it's like, uh, it's like here's here's a lesson, and it comes with a minor threat album, um, and then for like a black kid, it's like here's a lesson. It comes with watching your dad get beaten down for trying to drive you to a football game. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> like, so even in getting, uh, I, I I refuse to word, use the term woke because it's uh, it's weaponized too much and it's used by trendy assholes. And it, it's weaponized on both sides, by the way. Uh, uh-huh. but, but by getting informed and becoming aware of, like, what the reality of America is, in that, I got the better deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, like, even in that, it was like, uh, yeah, you're, here's a bad religion record to teach you things. It's like, that's yeah. rad. Meanwhile, there's, like, <laughs> a little, like, you know, uh, Mexican girl lives down the street from me who's like, and I learned when my father was killed out mm-hmm. in front of my house. It's like, right. god damn! You know what? It's better at the Bad Religion album. I like It's yeah, so much yeah, more yeah. fun to deal with than, than, <laughs> than the murder of your own parents in front of you at the hands of the fucking pigs. But uh, anyway, um, so my point is, ever since I first started being in uh, in bands, I there's always been a political uh, leaning to my songs, and they and they've they've veered wildly from deeply political, like overtly, like discussing like policy issues and stuff like that, like we talked about on the Broadway's record, uh, to being very personal things that are like imbued with the reality of being somebody that's hopefully trying to be aware about politics or just, mm-hmm. I, and I, I just mean the politic of, of existence, not like I'm not talking about city council meetings, although you should go to city Some council meetings. Some big ones meetings. today. <laughs> they're, 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 they're very important. Um, but, but you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not talking about like, like politics it, in yeah. the, in the in the show business sense, I'm talking about politics, in like the way you conduct yourself and the way you live, and uh, and within all of that has always been the understanding. Since I was a little kid, the police the police are an occupying army mm-hmm. um, in this country, and their enemy is us. Their enemy is like me and my divorcee mom who are walking down the street, and the cops are looking at a you know seven year old. And a woman holding his hand and going, like, do, do they deserve to be the victims of this pain that I am, like, literally getting paid to inflict on people? Mm. Yes or no. But, right. like, and, you know, f- for us, like, uh, usually no. It's, uh, I mean, I've, I've definitely been beaten by police. Don't get me wrong. But uh, um, not with my mom. Not when I was a little kid. Uh-huh. But a lot of people who can't say that, you know, and Yeah. And it's like so with that understanding that it's always been in my head that they're the enemy. Every single song I've ever written is about how the police can suck my balls. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that like a
0: a much more overt example is like listening to Billy Bragg love songs. All his politics are all in the way that he expresses everything, even wanting to kiss somebody on the lips. And I I, I think that like, you know, this is um th- this isn't what y'all showed up for today and we, we know that this is a thing that we can offer you as a way to get out of all of the noise and we appreciate being here. For that and for that purpose and for you to turn off your head a little bit and stop being bombarded by all of this anxiousness that just hits you directly from your phones. But this is also a platform that we have where we are able to reach strangers and we're all connected to the same thing and that's our man's music and this is an important conversation to have, and it's an important conversation for
1: us to use this
0: platform for.
1: To- yeah, to not to not ignore. Like, it, it, it would be aggressively shitty to not ignore. You can always fast-forward through it if you just want to hear about Ska. But, uh, which, I mean, there's no better uh, episode to talk about this stuff. I mean, maybe the Broadway's episode, but, I mean, like, you're talking... Ska, even third wave Ska Such a Like so many diverse People of color um, You know, different uh, Gender identities um, Different levels of, you know L B G. I can never get those letters in the right order (laughs) Oh I adore
0: I adore getting to talk to you as um, you know and and it's cool because I, I know I gave you a hard time uh, a few weeks ago because you said N.W.A. is the coolest rap group of all time and I'm like oh, look at this guy he doesn't think rap he thinks rap music peaked in 1991 but the point that you made the greater point that you made then was fuck the police and you've mm. been on that side for forever and I know where your heart <laughs> is in even if it's only five letters that are not that difficult to uh, remember, but I will point out, I will point out, I would be taking, and I will take my time when I say LGBTQI+. plus.
1: Right, and I mean, like, it, that, for me, it's just it's just as the G or the B come first, and it's like one of those things where I said it wrong once, and then somebody like kind of like jumped on me for it, and then mm-hmm. uh, and, and then I was like, oh, which one is it? Is it the one I said, or is it the one I didn't say? And I, so, I mean, I know it's LGBTQ. I guess I plus I that's that's a that's some, a yeah that's
0: kind of a further um, and I remember just, hearing that for the first time it's in intersectional and uh, um, it, and it, I it, and yeah I think kind of like as as inclusive as possible I think by adding plus but I remember hearing it for the first time when I was in college and I was like what I, I was doing pretty good with the three letters what's yeah. all this other stuff <laughs> but you know I think that that's a that's a a, a, an easy point for us to really stop and say that, like, we're all learning here. You're learning, and that's awesome. I'm learning, and and I try to continue to learn every day. And we encourage everybody out there to to learn, to listen, and to continue to do their best. It's really yeah. all that that uh, we can ask of anybody.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess. Like, I I don't want to, like, also create, like, a straw man argument here. And I'm well aware that there is part of me that feels like I am doing that. So just, you know, uh, keep that in mind. But I think it's an important thing to point out, especially in these times of, like, Great Strife, where it's like, you know, we need a united, um, diverse community. Um, Like, the idea... That I was trying to say just now was like, you know, like the third the third wave of ska that I was involved in, that I was like involved in from the very beginning, from the very, very beginning, involved a lot of very diverse people. And I and that's a good thing, and it's a great segue from talking about the the problems in representation in society and how that's manifested by militarized police, right? Definitely, and the idea that I'm even in a way concerned that because I got an acronym in the wrong order, someone will discount the entire statement and be like, "You're not an ally," is the exact fucking thing that's wrong with the left. You know, <laughs> like I, like, I, I, I <laughs> hear you, I hear you, but I I do think that um
0: I do think that our listeners um and and maybe more people than we want to than we think because we only see what we see but i think more than podcasts specifically are great for this because you can tell by the tone in my voice you can tell by the tone in brendan's voice that there's there's nothing wrong with slipping up there's nothing wrong with making a mistake It's whether or not you learn to correct that mistake. And even if it's... Even if it's something like an acronym, which is, it's gonna be, it's
1: like fucking remembering a phone number. Oh, it's sometimes. gonna it's, it's gonna destroy me forever. I, like I said, like one time I fucked it up and someone like laughed uh-huh. at me and I was like, well, I will never get this right again. Cause that's, yeah. <laughs> that's how my brain, you know, I've got this. Yeah, like...
0: It's, it's like you got this block. It's like how I called, uh, <laughs> <laughs> called, uh, Matt Mike and yes. then like <laughs> was worried about doing it again. But I think that, I think that, um, you know, I think that we're we're getting past we're getting past that point um, where like I don't I don't want anybody out there to think that they are um, continually um, you know being shown a spotlight on them, making sure that they say all of the right things. I think that one of the cool one of the like positives out of what's going on right now is that everybody is really. Focusing on a much larger problem, and I think that we're all on that side.
1: And... Yeah, we're trying to get away from the policing, isn't mm-hmm. what... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like oh, we can uh, we can just make sure that black people aren't getting fucking murdered all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, fucking and, and like, police. It, I think that there's, there, I don't know, I, and I, I don't mean I don't mean to harp on this, and it's like it's not something that concerns me because I know that like. I know y'all know us and everything but like it's like you know I think there there's something to be said for like oh straight white man can't even remember you know the proper uh acronym or whatever you know doesn't even doesn't even care enough to mm-hmm. and to that I can only say no, seriously, I really try. I I, I don't know. It was yeah. just a, like it, you know. I I wish I wish that woman hadn't laughed at me that one time uh, for mm-hmm. getting it wrong, and then, and then it wouldn't be an issue. Totally, totally. I just don't um, ever know if I, the B or the G is first. I know, I, I know it's the G, right? LGBT. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, but the, that's that's where my problem is. It's not like mm-hmm. I, it's not like I don't remember. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, Q. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know exactly where that shit goes.
0: <laughs> I really like that you um, you're really putting on your your broadcaster pants, and you're you're thinking, all right, perfect segue to ska. But the only reason it doesn't work is because we're not
1: finished with Metropole, my dude. October oh. Blood got cut off. That's a real last shame week. because I I, th- I felt like we had a really good conversation about October Blood last week. So. You know, I, and I, I don't think I'm talking out of school when I say this, but whatever comes out of this today, imagine it being like ten times better, and that's what Tim ruined by somehow not having it. Uh. Yeah, that is what I ruined by
0: not noticing the thing that my, that that my comes computer stops recording the window. Yeah. No matter what you got. With your yeah. windows being up, that's uh, – yeah. I I totally agree with you on it being all my fault. And... No, 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 no. It was my fault. I, my recor-
1: my recording stopped. I was just trying to bust balls. Uh, I but, know. I know. But, but the, the, the salient point, which should not be overlooked, is this isn't going to be as good because uh, that was like – pulitzer worthy like pulitzer i mean i guess you know i think of journalism this is a journalism in a way but does audio journalism get qualified for a pulitzer um, um i think that w-
0: there's the podcasting hall of fame awards which oh, I, yeah, we yeah, are yeah, probably I, already nominated for and it's going to be awesome when we refuse
1: to accept that award i hand those out Actually, <laughs> I, I invented them and I hand them out. They're uh, yeah, the podcasting all fame. No, but but for real, like does a does a radio journalist? Can a radio journalist get a Pulitzer or is it? Just I'm for... sure
0: Stud Circle probably got something.
1: Yeah, but he wrote things.
0: Well, he got that sh- that show too uh on the radio, but. Okay, oh, let's, you're listening let's to try. the radio.
1: Like, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Johnny Quest. Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> All right, so let's try to have a
0: um, ideally comparable but obviously never, ever going to be as good as the conversation that we had last week about October Blood, the last song on Metropole. Which opens with, I was born and I died, and just a moment went by. The start of the record, now we're at the end of the record.
1: Yeah, it, well, okay, so it was, this was, the idea behind it was that I was born and I died and just a moment went by. I mean, Chris obviously bookended the song with that line, which is... um there's there's a really oh my internet connection is unstable am I buzzing There's a real like, sort of like structuralist self awareness to that right like if you say it at the beginning and you say it at the end the middle of the song like doesn't happen right you know what I mean like mm-hmm. like I, I was born and I died just a moment went by like it, and um it it um it bears mentioning that this is another reference from uh from uh, Vertigo. Um, from the same scene um you know it's the the sliced in half redwood, here I was born, and here I died you know like that 's that 's what Chris is referencing, which is what I was referencing in um to go back to last week 's episode uh um, in drunk tweets and also in y m c a down the street from the clinic uh the both are are, are referencing the same thing, and we as we talked about last week, and I don't want to repeat myself too much, um, we were both shocked that we found this to be such a uh, commonality in terms of inspiration for this entire record and um so the the bigger idea was like, holy shit, this song starts and ends with this same line, and it's so sums up the whole the whole thing. Let's put this at the beginning of the record. And then let's put the drums from the first song on the record at the end. And we kind of worked it backwards. That's why there's the uh thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, Babe Ruth sample in um in Paradise Shitty. It's like it's mm-hmm. like wor- like it's working its way out of the center. You know what I mean? Like if Metropole yeah. Which is obviously like the like the sort of tent pole song on this record, whether it's like the best one or you know your favorite one or not, it's like it's the title track, it's in the very mm-hmm. middle, it's both of us. it's got that big like soaring instrumental part, I mean it's obviously like as literally as you can imagine a tent in sonic form, it's like the tent pole of the record, mm-hmm. right, and everything. Moving out from it in either direction starts to become self referential, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and so it was like, Yo, let's. And I, I said to Chris, I think this song should be last. I think we should open the record with a clip from it, with the first line, and then we should put it last. So the whole record is begins and ends with. I was born and I died and just a moment went by and also the, you know, the song obviously does that as well. But then we put the drums from Chilean district on the beginning of it. And it, you know, and it, it just to like create this sort of like dizzying, uh, sort of like world of like being between two, two mirrors with the, at an old Macy's or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. like in the dressing room when you can yeah, see forever, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. And, um, I think, ultimately, it was the right move from an artistic point of view. But October Blood is a good, cool song. It is also a song that's about two minutes long. And it comes after a song that sounds like the last song on a record. Um, And Uh as a result, I feel a little bit of regret that I... I was thinking just about the whole piece, you know, mm-hmm. of like like Metropole as a whole. When I suggested that, and I um I feel like maybe that song is slightly buried a little bit and that was and I feel like Chris was like I trust you on this. I'm very surprised at this choice. Uh-huh. You know, you know? Yeah. And I... And again, I still think from an artistic perspective, it was the right choice. But I also think, like, I kind of let down his song a little bit. Maybe... I I, I wouldn't want to do it any other way, but I... I don't know. I, I, I see why he was ap- apprehensive about it. And, like, uh, I mean, I guess the the other thing we could have done was just made the song first. I mean,
0: yeah, I think that there's that. I think that um, from an artistic perspective, I think that it has an effect that you see in movies that end pretty abruptly. And there's, you know, a really um, deep sense of um, there's such a moment when No Country for Old Men just goes to black after Tommy Lee Jones says and then I woke up. Yeah. And you get hit with that when you're watching the movie and it's like oh fuck. And I think that October Blood does that in musical form but the problem what with what um as as you're presenting it I think is that um music more often than not like really likes to Make sure that everything is tied together
1: a little bit cleanly, yeah, I mean and, and but I mean I think well i actually that's a very interesting thing because I think that's what it does, maybe at the expense of um putting that song on like the same uh like platform that it, it could or should be on or whatever it's um I don't know i I, I wouldn't change it. Like it's it's the right song to end the record, and it's like, and it, it's kind of the main song on the whole record, you know. Like mm-hmm. uh, from like, I know I just said like Metropole is like a pole song on the record, which it is, but thematically this song is like it's the fucking first thing and the last thing on the record, you know. And it's like, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, like we've we've always been like an album band, and like people don't necessarily consume albums the way they used to anymore at all and um at which point it doesn't matter where your fucking song is on on the record you know yeah i think
0: that as an album band and as a band that has passionate fans even if they're listening to it on spotify they're listening to it for the experience of listening to the album it's interesting because like i think that i was i was thinking about this um a little bit this morning um and i think that it would be interesting going back and seeing what you could do with shifting the piano music to like the middle of the track and then finding a way to build like the actual music like back up so you mm. could so you could end it the same way but so that there's a a little bit more time to kind of like deliberate you know and like and like get to that point and build that tension cuz then i think that the the release which is really cathartic in the fact that it's so abrupt and then it comes after 2 minutes but if you find a way to like stretch that and hit that abrupt ending after a like different type of build maybe that would be um a really effective way to you know address the problem as as you see it and i and I, I i do agree with like where you're coming from
1: yeah well the thing is I, I the thing that's fucking weird is i don't think that anything like actually is out of place i just feel like i feel like chris trusted me to do something and i think that that's one of like the burners on this record and you know we've talked about this With several other songs on this record, that I'm like, this is, and and maybe it's just that it was just eight years since our last record. You know what I mean? But, Mm -hmm. but I think he was kind of like, it's a pretty short song, and it's coming after this like very long, like obviously end of a record song. Like, okay, I trust you, and 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 maybe it's just that like. I mean hell nobody requests like paradise shitty either and you know like but when we play it people like it people know know the words you know um so maybe I'm just like personalizing something that's just merely the result of like putting a record out like yeah. much much I, later you I know I think so like, cuz it's like cuz I I just this is one of those ones like like some like several other ones on on this record that I'm like how come everybody doesn't want to hear this all the time? And like this, mm. this one also we play live and it, it, the, something about the, the cadence of it is just like, not quite the right speed. This one, interestingly, this one in Chilean districts, both are two that I was like, Oh, these are going to be fucked burners live. And they both just don't hit. They they just don't, aren't good live. And it's not not because we mm-hmm. can't play them. It's just like that's not like how the crowd wants to wants to party. But uh, the other part of this is that like three of our most popular songs we've ever done are on this record. So like, yeah. like there's there's a point where yeah. it's gonna be like. Well you know they, they can't all be happy days marge uh you know? uh-huh. <laughs> so
0: well i I do think that
1: um I do think that you're
0: personalizing it a little bit i I feel like this would be if this song had a bad vocal performance from you, you would be you know what i mean like i think that's what um I think that's where you go when you hear this song is is your own personal disappointment in it that you hear and um maybe uh assume that chris uh feels a little bit more than he might yeah i mean that's being a that's being a person
1: yeah it's probably true i mean like the thing is and i mean i know i've said this over and over and over again but it's like i wouldn't change putting this song last it's great yeah. you know it, it. it is like it's what ties the whole thing together in a way that i think is what we were trying to do mm-hmm. that's all that's that's all i
0: got <laughs> well that concludes metropole <laughs>
1: that's three, three, um, three episodes
0: and we uh well we did it we did a good enough job of, like actually concluding the record um, but I will say w- once again that I was so happy to have the opportunity to go back to it. And you and uh, Chris Number Two and I talked about this type of thing a little bit on Patreon, patreoncom slash Um It's gonna it's gonna hit people differently. It's it hit me uh, way differently. As a 27 year old, when I heard it, than I did when I was 19 when an O Calcutta came out and I fucking blasted it on uh, I 55 on the way to normal Illinois in my Oldsmobile. Yeah. It's just, but um, coming back to it and like seeing what was happening and so much underneath too, I think that that is my favorite part about spending all this time. With Metropole is that it just has this wavelength that I think is just traveling throughout it. That is, it's really, really um, powerful when you can get something that feels so cohesive in such a subtle way. And this one, even with the the idea that this is going through a city, um, I don't think you have to know that that's what is going on here to feel the same type of connection to like the rumbling of a subway that's happening throughout this.
1: Right. We're, well, that's, that's great to hear. I mean, like the, you know, this is a, this is, this was a very intentional album, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and that intentionality is only as good as if it pays off to people who don't know about it. And, uh and I, And fuck me if I ever have to explain art to people to get them to enjoy it. That's like what that's what bad artists do, you know. Like so, like I I hate uh, to even like dance around that shit. But I will say, I do feel like there's a journey on this record, and it's like, yeah, you don't have to Mm -hmm. know that it's specifically about like people going through a city and traveling into very bleak, depressing neighborhoods or whatever, and then coming out on the other side. And eventually, finding uh the shore or whatever, which is kind of uh what I think about it, but I think you hear the journey one way or the other
0: definitely.
1: I love the way that you uh phrase
0: that ending because it's you're totally uh out in the sun by the time you you get there it's like it's like that uh that Coldplay song that you play uh second to last it's like all right you're walking you're walking out from underneath the subway into the sunshine and then october blood is uh making your way to the shore and then you get there and that's it it's like dude that's that's the fucking that's the 400 blows that's fucking deep art <laughs> 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 yeah, so man. let me ask you we didn't uh we didn't touch on this in pre-pro you know we were just shooting a little pre-pro earlier before this show um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but what kind of intentionality went into skeleton coast as a record or is that too much to unpack here but we should let people know that july 17th another Uh Re- another Lawrence Arms record about fucking hating the police comes out That's right. on Epitaph Records, July 17th. Of course, you can click the link in the episode notes of this show to pre-order that. And, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I know that all of our listeners have checked out the music video for TVA.
1: But that PTR. link is in there.
0: I, I don't know <laughs> acronyms, man!
1: <laughs> it's... <laughs> l b g t oh see i did it wrong there l l b l g b t a that's that's the song exactly p t. a is the name of the song um the video um is uh animated because um we live in times of crazy crisis and uh disease pestilence nobody can leave their bunkers without fear of being beaten to death by the police or dying of a terrible airborne uh toxic event
0: there's this one guy (laughs) who keeps going into a bunker that i'm hoping he just pulls out that fucking luger and just goes full circle with it
2: Mm -hmm, mm-hmm
1: mm-hmm yeah but yeah, but yeah. So the record comes out July 17th. And um what what's the 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 thematics behind this record? Um just like I think really involved like lone wildness and searching for something. Like that's the the best way I could describe it in like a a quick way. It's like whether mm-hmm. it's like whether it's love, whether it's understanding, you know, it's like sort of if you know, we we talked about with Metropole, like, how, like, the biggest illusion about a city is that you're around a lot of people. There's nothing lonelier than being in a city, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you're alone. And I think there's a lot of, a much more personal version of that on this Skeleton Coast record, which is, like, if you're in a situation with... A, a friend, or a, a partner, or you know, a spouse, or a business associate, or whatever, and it's and it's it's not good. It is is like you're searching for an escape, which involves that again. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like like you look for you look for a way to be like, well, I'd like to get out of this and have like a moment to like sort of like let the wind blow through my hair and then I'd like to be in this again but you you know like uh absolutely and you know there's a lot of references to a lot of like sort of like loner animals on there it's like you know like there's there's a song about foxes there's a song about I mean not about but uh <laughs> foxes coyotes um whales um and uh what's the, what's the last one what i mean? wolves you know and um these are all you know like coyotes sort of like made for life and you know they're always seen in like a as a duo Uh right um foxes there's a reason that like dudes are called silver foxes and women are called foxes you know like Uh there's you know and and like wolves are fucking wolves and whales are whales i mean Uh like the, the 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 um it's just powerful. They're just all powerful animals in their own way in terms of like what they just interpersonal like survival and the rejection of what you've worked so hard to accomplish only to try to do it again. I don't know. You know, like it, which I guess is also metaphorical for our band. Yeah. It certainly (laughs) is. (laughs) I
0: I held back and I let you say it. Fucking perfect. Perfect. For the Lawrence Arbs. (laughs) So. We're. At that point. We're actually here. The reason uh, you're all here. This week. Slapstick. And I got an idea for this one Brent. Um, I brought some notes. And my thinking is. Why don't we try. To begin this story. And rather than have an objective. Of what we want to talk about. Before we run out of time, let's just set the clock for this week, and we'll get to where we get to. So, I brought one question with me. Great. How did slapstick start?
1: So, um, holy shit! I don't believe this is the this is the third time telling this story, Tim. <laughs> Chris and I were like freshmen in high school and uh there's there's a kid in my class who's a drummer he, he was like hey yeah yeah I, I, you know I play the drums or whatever and so me and Chris had been had been playing we'd been writing songs together and we decided like it'd be cool to go over and you know try to try to um see if we could like be a band right and um we got this senior kid named Tim on the bass and uh well, it turned out that that kid could not play the drums whatsoever. He like, had a drum kit, but uh, that, which was the big, um, I think, selling point for us because. I, so you
0: said you said the bass. But then the drums. So the senior is the is the bass player, the se- or the
1: senior is a bass player, and he's at, uh-huh. like he's better at the bass than the drummer is at the drummer at, at, at the drummer. <laughs> oh my god, he's better he's better at the bass than the drummer is at the drums. But that's still saying very little because he could like not play the bass whatsoever. Um, he was terrible. Uh-huh. But the drummer like really really couldn't play. Like I was better than him at the drums, and like. Chris is significantly better than me at the drums, and Chris also can't play the drums. You know, uh-huh. so, like this kid was—he—he he was at least the third worst drummer in our band, uh, <laughs> 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 you know, and <laughs> maybe the fourth worst. But so, yeah, so we had this we had this band. We called we were called we called ourselves Glad Hands, and it was the four of us. I just sang, and um, you know, Chris was could play the guitar, right, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris could play the guitar. I I mean, I'll I'll just say that much. I like, he wasn't the Chris McCoggan that you think of when you think of like Lawrence arms albums today or anything like that. But but then it was this guy that could not drum whatsoever. This bass player that could not keep up with this guy who couldn't drum. Uh, (laughs) And then, (laughs) and then me singing. And I like kind of tried to sing like, um, like Joe from the dead milkman. And, um, which is really my
0: son, my son, driving ship yeah like that <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um like and that's very hard to do in tune um which is why when you hear john sampson you hear him sing and you're like damn that sounds really really good because it's like he's doing that same kind of thing that real like i, I don't know i don't even know what you call it just like kind of like high-pitched like it like even like uh you know, like you listen to the Mountain Goats and it's like, it's like, it's got that same vibe to it, but like there's, there's an
0: affect to it that, like, there's an
1: affect to it and it always sounds like it's about to go off the rails. And we're talking about the Dead Milkmen, the Mountain Goats, and the Weaker Than's, which are uh-huh. incredible bands. And it, and it still sounds like it's about to go off the rails. So me trying to do it as like a freshman in high school, it did not sound that good. Um, it was, uh, significantly less in tune. So so that's our band, right? Um, it's mm-hmm. a terrible drummer, <laughs> terrible bass player, uh, me, terrible singer, and Chris, like, first-year guitar student. Uh, uh-huh. Right? <laughs> so we played a show in the drummer's kitchen of his mom's house while she's out of town, and this kid showed up and was like, yo, let me let me get on those drums. And uh, he got on the drums. He could play, like, all the way around. He could do, like, full fills and stuff. And he was, like, a, a real drummer. And then he was like, hey, um, you know, I think you're a pretty good guitar player, and I think your voice is pretty cool, you know, but these guys, not, I mean, they're not even players, you know? And we were like, yeah, goddamn right. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. This drummer, this drummer's kicked out. And he's like, okay, good. Well, here's the thing, I don't have a, uh, I don't have a drum set myself. But I, and I've, my mom kicked me out of the house. I mean, this is like, this kid's like a freshman in high school, sophomore in high school. So this should have been, uh uh-huh. an immense red flag, right, right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, my mom kicked me out of the house, but I've got a Super Nintendo over there. And I will break in and I will steal my Super Nintendo and I will go sell that. And then I'll use the money to buy a drum kit because I know a dude that's selling a drum kit. But I don't have any place to put it. We're like, yeah, no, put it in Chris's parents' basement. No problem, right? So, <laughs> okay. um, so we, that that all happened and we started practicing. Um, we, we, we wheeled the one, the original, like, drummer, and then we got um we we got fasty in there fastie's the name of the dude that was uh the the, the the good the good drummer at the party right um and um, do you
0: know why they called him fasty uh
1: i i I think there's probably a lot of reasons they called him fasty <laughs> uh, um one of them definitely had to do with the fact that he just kind of talked fast uh-huh. and, um i don't know if i'm totally convinced there was no like uh <laughs> Performance-enhancing chemicals going on <laughs> uh, with fasty but uh, I've actually never considered that before until just now. But you know, it makes it makes a real shit ton of sense. I'll text Chris. Well, when
0: just... you've heard uh, when you've heard about this guy four times in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in eighteen hours, you
1: yeah. can come up with other questions. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, no, this is great. So, so you start playing the drums. And like we still got Tim, the senior, on base. He still can't play, and I, I think, frankly, that Tim started getting frustrated. He, he didn't like Fasty very much because, well, for one thing, Fasty was uh, um, a good on speed drummer who mm-hmm. could could like move things forward, and it really highlighted that he that he was like sort of like. Becoming the weak link in the band or whatever, but also mm. they had like some mutual friends and stuff, and I think he thought he was a little bit sketchy, which he was, um, you know. And w- but long story short, um, we got two of uh, fast these buddies to come play with us. Um, the guitar player was named Doug, and he like he had like uh, a red ponytail. And a red uh, beard, and he looked like a leprechaun. He would wear like overalls and ponchos and shit, and uh, <laughs> he would, mm-hmm. and like a big like uh, crocodile Dundee type hat. Like he he was he was a real character. And then, do you um, care
0: if I take off my Birkenstocks?
1: Yeah, right, exactly. And uh, and then um, on base we got this dude Jordan, who was like was tall. He was like if if Beaker from the Muppets was a black guy. Um, he was, like, tall uh-huh. and thin and had, like, just, like, a mop of dreads. And um, and he was, like, a fucking awesome bass player. And he'd only started, like, three months before, and he, like, still to this day is one of the, like, most accomplished bass players I'd, I've ever seen. Like, he he's he's really, really just, like, had a knack for it or whatever. Um, And Doug was, like, a really great guitar player. Kind of a little bit into, like... St- your Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of bullshit mm-hmm. um, and um as a result i mean and that was like w- the lineup of gladhand when you th- when you think of, uh, when you when you go back and you think about the the classic gladhand lineup that you've all thought about so many times that's really <laughs> the lineup i'm talking about here uh a fucking like outback leprechaun who looked like he was 55 um, a the the classic. It's the '90s, so we got a black guy on the bass, bass player, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> fucking weird, speeded out guy that like lived under his girlfriend's bed on the drums, and then Chris and me. Um, that was that was Gladhand, and um, I don't remember how it came up, but I do remember that um, after. It's like oh, and I should mention this too. Um, we were a mess of a band in terms of like what we sounded like. Like mm-hmm. there, there, there was no, none of us knew what anything was. Like none of us even knew enough to be like oh, like we could be a metal band or we we're a punk band. Like those things didn't mean anything to us. Like we
2: mm-hmm.
1: like there it was all, um, it was all just music. It was like what we could write. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there, there was there was no sense of like curated craftsmanship it was more just like oh this kind of sounds neat you know like how about that you know and and, and then and then like working around that and then having like a funk bass player and a blues rock guitar player and then like a guy that's you know like chris kind of had more interest in like punk rock but like we didn't know what punk rock was at the time right and um
0: i think most high school bands are kind of this way but yeah um i think it's it's even more uh, exacerbated when you, you know, Green Day hasn't really come up yet to just like tell the culture like this is actually punk rock now. Yeah. And well, yeah, but whatever. like,
1: but we didn't, we like we didn't even know, um, we didn't even know what fucking punk rock meant at all. You know, like mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. we
1: just happened to like we happen to have gravitated towards a lot of punk rock albums. Chris and I did. Um, mm-hmm. But like, well, I, we'll talk about this in just, in just a little bit, because uh, I, at, at, the, at this point I had no fucking idea what punk rock meant. You, if you, to me, fucking minor threat was the same thing as fucking mother love bone, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they were the yeah, exact right. same kind of band. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so anyway, like, and so, yeah, but so our band sounded like shit, uh, as, as a result. I mean, we, like, and I was doing that, like, weird dead milkman type singing, and then I'd been listening to, um, to the Goo Goo Dolls, um, and
2: mm-hmm. as I was saying
1: in the, in the last, last time we went through this tale, yesterday, <laughs> um, I, I really, I really fell in love with the Goo Goo Dolls, like, it was an impulse buy- because of the cover for Jed, because like my um, my my family's like got like real hillbilly roots. Um, I, the, the, the the picture on the cover is a guy in like a flannel shirt, wearing a mesh hat with a mustache. It's essentially a picture of like what I look like right now, um, you know, yeah. and and uh, with a mullet also, which I also have. Um, but like quarantine, uh, baby. <laughs> the, the song. Give Me Shelter on there, which I didn't even realize was a Rolling Stone song. I, I think like, one of the main themes that's going to go through this is how fucking sc- clueless I was and mm-hmm. continue to be about everything. Um I mm-hmm. didn't know that was a Rolling Stone song, but I thought his voice was just so awesome in it. And I just, like, I thought he was Robbie from Goo Goo Dolls, just the coolest singer. And when they put out Hold Me Up, was listening to Laughing. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. which, here's an interesting side note. Um, I I might have mentioned this before, but um, one time Matt Allison was over at my house and uh, the song Laughing came on like the just the, you know, Spotify algorithm or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Matt goes, Who'd you record this with? No, he (laughs) did. And I, I like that's Matt Allison. He's like as close to like the fourth member of the Lawrence Arms as there is. Uh huh. You know, but I mean, like, I, I and, and I, I know some people out there are sitting there going, "Huh, the Goo, Goo Dolls," but here's the thing. So that day, I went to Gladhand practice, and I decided I would try to sing like Robbie, and uh, all of a sudden, our drummer, Fasty, he kind of stopped and was like, "Dude, what the fuck was that?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, I was just trying to sing, no good." And he's like, "No." Only do that from now on. Like that—that's a lot cooler <laughs> than yeah. before. So all of a sudden, I would say we all had like uh, some sort of like identity. You know what I mean? Like some like a like a very bad A team, D team.
0: I can I just I I can't let this story go by um, without the the record showing the. the story that I told yesterday of sitting in the living room with my partner who I don't really, I don't really bring the like music part of what I do in, into uh, the living room very often. Sure. It's just like what she's into. And uh, when I I was right, getting ready for cocktails and dreams, I put on Pensacola wings of gold. And then I said to Jamie, I said, Hey, check this out. And then I put on laughing, by the Goo Goo Dolls, and she said, what's this? And I was like, this is the Goo Goo Dolls, and this, I tell you what, it has to be the song for Brett and Kelly.
1: Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, laughing is, laughing is a great song. I mean, it's actually not a great song. We kind of talked about this yesterday. It's actually um, got a really good octave part in it, and his voice is just killer in it, but then that fucking bass line is so dumb it's just it's it's like no like,
0: tone on that bass
1: and it, it just but it it's like it turns the whole thing into like shout a little bit softer now like, like <laughs> all of a sudden like <laughs> yeah it's totally it's like dark edge to it and then the, and then this bass line comes in. And you're like, "What the fuck?" And then it's like, "All because of you." It's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, they, they just like went full like, like jack off Motown wedding band situation here." But, but like the thing is, like, there's was a
0: con- real charm to it.
1: But it was kind of the time. It was like it, a lot of bands were like amalgamated messes like that, even within a song. You know, it, it's kind of like mm-hmm. what I'm saying that like Gladhand was. You know, but right. I mean, obviously. <clears throat> we were terrible as well, uh, but but <laughs> you know uh, the, the, the 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 general theme is there. But so anyway, um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the the Gateway Theater is um it's it's a, it's an old theater out on the Chicago's West Side um, where uh, back in the old days it, it was like I mean it's still a Polish neighborhood, but it used to be like the street signs are in Cyrillic. You know mm-hmm. um, I don't remember exactly how it came up I think maybe it was through Fasty but that They they asked us if we wanted to play a show And it was a show, it was like 10 bands And um it, Like and it, it, You sold your own tickets It was like a basically a pay to play type thing mm-hmm. You sold 50 tickets You got a buck a ticket You sold 75 tickets, you got 2 bucks a ticket You sold 100 tickets You got uh, three bucks a ticket right so we um we were like holy shit like a real show with real bands and it's like no uh it was kind of a real show and like some of the bands were somewhat real I suppose but uh it was it, I mean it was like a, a an old polish like co- kind of almost community center I mean it, it was a theater for sure mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know it it seemed really like a big deal at the time to like totally to have like a show like to sell tickets for a concert that was happening in a place and like we were like a real band at this point right and Mm -hmm. it was incredibly nerve-wracking um i think for all for all of us but i remember being up there just like really kind of like shaking like a leaf and like definitely like you know jumping around and like trying as hard as i could to like make it a cool show or whatever but uh it was also to a seated theater audience, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, you know? And um, so the first, band, the first band that played, we played somewhere in the middle. The first band that played was called 18 Month Pregnancy. And uh, they had a song called um, White Hen, which was really dope. Uh-huh. And, 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 it, and it would go, it went, white! Hen! White! <laughs>
0: hen! And oh, the, the white hen youth crew movement. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> with, the white, with the white uh-huh. hen youth movement.
1: And, and white hen was like a 7-Eleven in Chicago, like a local chain. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be like They a, stopped
0: having them in like 2000, but we, I, I guess at this point in history, we should clarify that when we say white hen, we're talking about a chain of convenience stores, not yes. a uh, white power
1: thing. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, totally. It's weird that like... <laughs> <laughs> you know These, these Nazis have really ruined the word white <laughs> It used to be You know it used to just be about purity And oh wait no <laughs> It's all wrong uh, <laughs> no, but, uh,
0: <laughs> I don't even know what white means anymore It used to mean nothing but good things Why <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um but but uh, but yeah, so so yeah, White Hat was, was a was a convenience store and eighteen month pregnancy was this hardcore band. And then the second band was a band called Slugbug and they had like a real actual like sound to them. I mean I guess eighteen month pregnancy was a hardcore band. Um so that was like a a real sound, but Slugbug had a really like um it was like sort of like proto Green Day a big drill car, kind of like that real, real Mm poppy pop punk. And the guy could sing really well. The like guitar players were just like so locked in and good. And the bass player was great. And, uh, and the drummer was, was great. And I remember looking at the drummer and thinking like, well, that's like a man. That's a, Mm -hmm. that's a grown man there. Um, and, uh, and it was just really interesting because I, I thought of like being in a band as like a total kids endeavor, you know what I mean? And that was like sort of like the first first time I'd seen like a band that looked like it was like kind of kids, but they like kind of behaved like adults. And I think as a result, it made me just project that they looked older, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, like totally. because they were th- cause they knew what they were doing and that was,
2: mm-hmm.
1: th- that's just not a look for kids, you, right. know, you know? Yeah, like, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and, uh, who else played that day the blue meanings played that day uh, which is
0: wild
1: yeah it was because L-
0: they'd been a band for several years at that point right
1: oh yeah they were they were an established band they were the they were the main band of the whole thing but they played in the middle because there mm-hmm. was it was like 13 bands or something you know what i mm-hmm. mean so you put the, the big bands in the middle and then um you know your eighteen month pregnancies and your slug bugs play at the beginning, and then you uh-huh. and then at the end, uh, oblivion played. And I fucking right. I, and I'd never heard of them. Um, I was waiting around because I think we'd locked the keys in my car and couldn't find them. And we were waiting for my parents to come pick me up, pick us us up, me and Chris. (laughs) Yeah. And so we ended up stuck there until like, you know, like one in the morning or whatever, but that's like when oblivion was going on. And, um, thank fucking God, because that show is like really life changing to me. Like the way that they were just like smart and fast, but like unapologetically, nerdy like it wasn't uh-huh. it wasn't supposed to be like you know what we're smart and fast and this is going to be cool we're going to make this cool there was like such a vulnerability to it you know that yeah. it was like it was like yes we're smart nerds and we're fast and this is the kind of music we're into and like that doesn't make anything okay you know mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. like the, this is, this isn't like a confidence game it, it was like And I I don't really know how to describe it, but like it, it really, and then they they were
0: cool, but they weren't like too cool.
1: And and they weren't, and they weren't like trying to be cool. There was, it was like the thing that I think everybody loved about like the vulnerability of like the emo scene, but it was like genuine because it really came from fucking weirdo outsiders and not like beautiful boys that look like action figures. You know what I mean? Uh Like, um, and, 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 And also, it didn't sound like that at all. Right, Oblivion's music was fast and like messy as shit. You know, it was it was it was great. Um, And uh, they had their roadie, who uh, Marfa, who's now gone on to be like a big like pillar in the skateboarding community here in Chicago and I think L.A. as Mm -hmm. well. He's a photographer as well as a really accomplished skater. Um, They had him just beat the shit out of this like. Uh, like crisis training dummy. You know, like it was like a, uh-huh. it was like a. a I, I don't know. I don't know what you call it. it. Like a, it was like a guy, but you could punch it and it wouldn't punch you back. You know? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Kind
0: of like a, like a CPR like right. Dummy. But it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't
1: made of plastic like that. It, okay. It, it wasn't like a crash test dummy. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a CPR dummy. It was like a. It was soft, but you could tell it had like heft to it. I, I feel uh-huh. like it's got to be for like firemen to, like, carry someone down through smoke so thick you can't see. Kind of, kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know. But sure. I, I don't know. The only thing I've ever seen these kind of dummies used for is getting the shit beat out of them at an Oblivion show. <laughs> 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 um, but so, so that night, um after the show i found pete from oblivion and you know i'm 15 maybe 16 i guess i must have been 16 because the keys were locked in the car um Mm. but but i was like that was like life-changing and he was like oh thanks man yeah you know that's kind of why we do it that's that's awesome to hear um And I was like, yeah, I played in a band tonight, too. It was our first show ever. And he was like, oh, that's great. You know, um, let me give you two pieces of advice. The first one is... A show needs two components to be good. It's you and the audience. If either one of you is not pulling your weight, it's going to be a bad show.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. The
1: second second one is... You're only as good as your last show. Mm. Let me tell you, that was... The first day I ever played a show at a real club, and both of those pieces of advice are 100% true to this day. I've said those, those two things hundreds, if not thousands of times to other people. Um, mm. it, and it's like, how lucky was I to be in that place at that time to get that advice from that guy? You know, I mean, it just meant so much that, like, he would even give me advice as though we were somehow peers. You know what I mean? mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Uh I was just a dumb kid. I I had, uh, you know, there was a point where, like, 40 minutes before that, I wasn't really technically in much of a band that had never, we'd never played a show, you know? And then, like, all of a sudden, here I am talking to the guy that's, like, in the coolest band I'd, like, maybe ever seen. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, to the trade for, like, guys like you and me, you know? And it was like, Fucking, yeah. I, it was really, really touching. And um, I appreciate, I mean, that's obviously stuck with me. But yeah. so so we we sold, Gladhand, sold 200 tickets to that show. Which if you remember, it was, you sell 50 tickets, you get a buck a ticket. Mm-hmm. You sell 75 tickets, you get two bucks a ticket. You sell 100 tickets, you get three bucks a ticket. So we sold 90, I'm sorry. Uh-huh sorry my my math is terrible, and so many times telling the story, you know, like I can't keep up uh, at this point we have we did sell three hundred tickets uh, yeah. and, uh, uh, no but so we sold ninety tickets, and um, like I said earlier, it was like a pay to play situation like like um you gotta do what you gotta do, I guess, um but there's a certain sort of hell I think reserved for. Promoters that make you do all the work And then take the money that you Like go out there and hustle for And this mm-hmm. show was put on by a guy Named Matt Nelson who was absolutely a vulture Um shithead Who um was ripping off Kids that's what was going on And I mean mm-hmm. like uh I know This as one of the kids he ripped off And the reason that I can Say this with such confidence is so We bought the last 10 tickets Cause we were like If it bumps up to 300 bucks um, you know, we spend a hundred, and we're making more money even right. even with the mm-hmm. hundred gone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how we sold even ninety tickets to this day, I think it had to do with the fact that we were all such like different kinds of kids, and so like each of us could sell like a few tickets to
0: like our our, mm-hmm. our buddies.
1: You know what I mean? Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like. I don't remember there being much of a groundswell to see Gladhand do anything, um, but uh, but anyway,
0: but I think when you're when you're in high school and you tell people, yeah, I'm playing a show, I'm playing a concert at mm-hmm. a, uh, we don't even call them concerts, we just call them shows, but uh, yeah. I'm playing a show with a, a lot of other bands, and you can come see us, you can buy tickets. Actually, people are, yeah, you know, they're yeah, just no. being exposed to the idea that that uh, that people in their school can do something like that
1: yeah you know and it's so funny to think back about like the tickets had all the list of all the bands on it and it was like just in fonts that like whoever at the production company just like made up and like remember like Uh seeing like flyers i remember seeing flyers for like you know for slapstick even for the lawrence arms where i'd be like what is this Fuck like what is this fucking wingdings looking ass uh-huh. Lawrence arms on this flyer, you know? it like Joker Man or yeah. Schiller <laughs> font. Uh-huh. So so anyway, um, that's just a little aside about back before uh, everybody had computers. But uh <laughs> but so we 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 get to the end and we're like, yo, we sold all all hundred tickets, and then we gave him the money, and he goes, yeah, okay. So, 100 bucks, cool. And gave us 100 of the money that we handed like we handed him this stack of money. Uh-huh. Which was like I mean, I think the tickets were like 10 bucks each, so it was like a $1,000. dollars And then he's like, "Yeah, 100 bucks, cool. Here you go." And gave us back 100 out of the stack that we just handed him. Yeah. Right. And um we we, we didn't know how to like respond to that. I mean, like I'd love to have been the kind of person that would have been like, "Yo, no, you know what? Fuck you. Man, we we said you said 3 bucks for per ticket. Even then it's a fucking rip off. You know? I just yeah. had to do a $1,000. Even then it's like 300 bucks. It, yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: But I played a show I I played a show in Joliet, Illinois that was like a similar deal and we got shorted and I was like Twenty two. So I had a, enough in me to just pick up a garbage can and hurl it across the place and then the guy got in my face. It was one of the like five cool things I've ever done in my life. But
1: Yeah, well let's let's see if we can make number six here. By recording <laughs> this episode of the podcast correctly. Which, For by the way, seventh time. <laughs> I just wanted to like make sure okay, it's recording.
0: I got you on Zoom too.
1: Oh my god. Um <laughs> I think that the story was better yesterday, but there's a little bit more coming out today,
0: yeah, definitely,
1: um, so I don't know like that Rick and morty fucking multiverse shit that you're all into uh you if you can go back and find the alternative universe in which I hit record yesterday, you might want to check that one out too. It's pretty good uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but. But so, my God, it's, like, such a, like, pounding headache to, like, try to recall all this stuff. Um, but so, anyway, so Matt so Nelson. The, yeah, he,
0: ri- he ripped you off, but then you were like, oh, that sucks, but
1: then but we, he said. But we played a show, and so then he called me um, a little later, and he was like, hey, the the other, um, you guys sold all your tickets. That was great, you know, Um I mean, I'm sure, like, the Blue Meanies didn't even have, like, a pay-to-play ticket sale situation going on. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. Like, it, I'm sure, actually, that they probably had a guarantee, and they were stealing the money that, like, we went out and harvested um mm-hmm. in order to just probably, like, pay the Blue Meanies and then, like, pay themselves. Which, by the way, I mean, there's a big difference. And, like, I, I don't know. This is – No, I think this is appropriate. I think a lot of, like, small bands have – the wrong idea about like what the the whole thing is like at like a, a show and the way the money gets gets done mm-hmm. and everything like that. and the truth is like if you're um, if you're a small band and you just show up to a show and you're like the kind of band that doesn't really have very many fans, you you really cost more to the venue to play like mm-hmm. because they have to pay. Sound guys, they have to turn on the lights. They've got to pay, you know, like security, whatever. Like it, and it, it. That's not a bad thing. I mean, that's what like art's about. That's like sort yeah. of, that's the thing. But it's like if you're not bringing in any people, you, you actually cost money to be there, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Which, again, that's art and that's cool. But it's just like it's just a reality. Like you, you showing up with your fucking batch of shitty songs, is no benefit to anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, it's,
0: it's only a benefit to you because you're able to play them and then hopefully people like them.
1: Right. Now, if you are a small band with your shitty batch of songs and you go out and personally push tickets on people and then bring a stack of cash in... Then you're being exploited if you're not getting paid properly. Mm -hmm. Like 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 if you're doing the work to like you know like to make sure that there's cash there, you're you're being exploited. But my my point of my point of uh, differentiation here is not so much about like how because I don't I don't want I don't want to. You know, like I'm in a band that has opening acts, and I just like sat there and said, you know, uh, they were just like both taking this money and giving it to the blue meanies, which it's like that's because we went out and made that money, like Mm -hmm. on the streets. It wasn't money from the show. Mm -hmm. And
0: it's also like it's it's on this Matt Nelson guy uh, who guarantees the blue meanies money to pay the blue meanies. It's not on the Blue Meanies to ask. So what did you do to promote this show? They're not saying like, "Well, wait a minute, this isn't money that's like coming from the other bands who sold tickets, right?" They're just in this agreement. Matt mm-hmm. Nelson is going to give them money to be there and as a band who can draw that's Yeah, they would the, never uh, think they would never yeah. think
1: twice about anything like that. Mm-hmm. But like, but this does this does bring up another point which is like you know, sometimes, and I remember doing this a shit ton. And uh, I, I mean, for years and years, it's like you see like the headlining bands, like dressing room, and you come in, and you're like, oh, fuck, man, free whiskey, free beer, all this. And like, you know, you just kind of start going for it, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, it's free whiskey and beer that's backstage. And then, like, without fail, that headliner's headlining band's tour manager comes in and goes, Hey, what are you guys doing? And then it's like, oh, these fucking guys, you know, they're trying to keep all the beer for themselves or whatever. The thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is like, as, as somebody that's in the, the headlining band now, we buy that shit. That's mm-hmm. not like, it's not like free and provided. It's like we have a list of things and that money <laughs> is our, our money. Mm-hmm. It's like having a runner. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like if you, if you go to, it's, it's like ordering a pizza. I mean, it's, it's exactly the same thing as ordering a pizza mm-hmm. and you know, like if, if I like fucking walked into the park and there was a guy sitting there with a pizza, I'd be like, I wouldn't be like, Oh, free pizza. Cool. Boom. You know, uh-huh. like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
1: but that's, it's exactly the same thing. And I mean like, and I don't say this to be like, stay away from my beer. I mean, like, I don't know if a lot of you probably know me well enough to know that like, I'm, Pretty liberal with like giving out beers and like hanging mm-hmm. out and whatever. Um, what I'm saying is, it's a misstep to do, and I did it for years and years before I realized it. And I claimed that a lot of people were assholes, who were not. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot, you know, people like. I mean, I. Uh, I even drank Keith Morris's only non-alcoholic beers uh, backstage at a festival in Germany. No way! <laughs> yeah, I stole them out of a dressing room from me and Chris, and then we're fucking drinking them. And our fucking tour manager <laughs> comes in and goes, "Why the fuck are you drinking non-alcoholic beer?" And we're like, "Oh my god, god damn it!" Cause like, and then and then, fucking. You know, Keith's tour manager comes in and goes, what happened to Keith's two N.A. Uh, beers? That's all he was looking for. And we were <laughs> like, oh, no. We've made a terrible, terrible series of mistakes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um story i don't tell out loud very much because it's so <laughs> brutally lame but like but that that's what i mean though like you know it's like i don't know i think there's i think there's an illusion that uh shit that goes on in the back of a club you know because mm-hmm. it is intoxicating just to be like we're backstage holy fuck there's dip back here this is nuts um you know it, it is intoxicating and you, it is an important day, you, you, whether it's your first show, like if you're glad hand at the gateway theater and it's your first show, even still, you're like, that's an accomplishment to just like play a show. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've arrived and it's like, and you're like, maybe, maybe I don't get paid that much, but, uh, at least there's all this free beer and
0: right.
1: you know, and some places are, there's some places that give drink tickets out, you know, like the, the, there's all sorts of different ways it goes. Mm-hmm. Right But For the most part If uh, If you're sneaking into a headliner's room And Taking beer Like you're You're just Straight up stealing And like you Like there's no There's no Mm-hmm I understand that, like I sound like a cop or something when I say that, but it's just like it took me a long time to figure that out, and I did it. I just told you a very embarrassing story about doing it, mm. um, like, and it, it, it's just like I think it's a, I think it's a good lesson. It, the the sooner the sooner you figure that out, the less embarrassed you'll be about having fucking mm-hmm. motherfuckers. Anyway, um,
0: if they give you a reason to like do it while they're not looking, but don't just go and take it and assume
1: god damn yeah, yeah. yes yes goddamn right the hickey uh, model <laughs> exactly exactly but um so M- matt nelson called us and was like hey you guys um sold all your tickets the only two bands sold all their tickets was you guys and that band Slugbug. i don't know if you remember them and i was like i do i was i, I remember that they the drummer looked like a man and they carried themselves with like a kind of a, like confidence that uh what it was very, very surprising, um, and and that they, they were a good band. Um, mm-hmm. And um, he was like, "Well, I want to do it. I want to do a show with you, you two guys, in Malos, in Aurora." Um, and never mind that he had just like ripped us off. I mean, mm-hmm. the idea that we like did well enough that we were going to get a second, like actual show, and this one was like in in a town an hour away in like a freestanding like actual rock club yeah i mean i understand why people go back to abusive spouses you know just like based on that I, it's like- I was
0: i was just thinking like yeah i can understand why like you know there are terrible abuses of power in uh the entertainment industry that we've like been enlightened to in the past few years
1: yeah but but it's but it's like i was like Oh my God! You thought we were good enough to do another show? He didn't think we were good enough to do another show. Right? He thought we sold a hundred tickets or whatever. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So, so I was like, "Yeah, we'll do this show with uh, with Slugbug or whatever." And I think I had talked to like one of the guys a little bit um, at the Gateway, just something like, "Hey, good show! We're playing later. You should check out our set." You know that kind of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when we get out to Melo's... um. <laughs> First of all, it was hilarious immediately that I had been like, oh, that drummer's like a man. Because like as soon as I saw him at Melo's, I was like, oh, this is a kid my age. Like These guys mm-hmm. are y- as young as us. Like, th- this is, like, what I, g- I guess it was just that, that confidence, you know what I mean? But all of a sudden, we're out there. And at the Gateway Theater, when there's, like, 13 bands playing or whatever... Even if only like one person shows up to see each band, there's like over a hundred people in there. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? right. Because there's so uh-huh. many bands, um, and it uh, may It may surprise you, Tim, but a bunch of people under the age of seventeen in two bands in a place that's twenty-one and over, an hour from anybody's house. It's like a like a rock bar. Not many people showed up. Uh,
0: that didn't surprise me yesterday, but it surprised me
1: today. <laughs> well, um, and and yeah, it was it was um a very uh, empty room, and and so as a result, we just ended up hanging out the whole time, and like you know. I particularly was, like, like, you know, Fasty and Jordan and Doug are all, like, kind of uh, very singular dudes in terms of, like, they're, they're, I mean, nice enough, good guys hanging out, but, like, you know, like, I I am a sort of, I, I, I like to talk to people, you know what I mean, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I like to bullshit, and I really kind of admired these guys. They had um, the tapes that they had looked like like they could have come from a store, mm-hmm. um, at least to me at the time. Like they they had like screened tapes. It wasn't like a Maxell demo tape, you know. Um, uh, and and then they had these like really nice T-shirts, and um, and I was just like, holy cow, these guys are like a real organization. Like they have like nice equipment and like they sound like a, a real band and uh you know then I'm, I'm talking to the singer outside and he's like yeah you know I'm in this other band we're called Hoodwink and like we play like the metro and I was like oh my god mm-hmm. this is like these are guys are like real musicians we are playing with real musicians here at melo's uh, at six o'clock on a Wednesday for nobody, uh, you know, like we must be real musicians too. Whatever, you know, like I want to fucking figure out how to get some tapes like this and some T-shirts like this, you know. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I exchanged phone numbers with the guitar player dude, and uh, um, we oh oh we played the show and it, it was completely they were awesome. Mm-hmm. We were, you we were Glad Hands, you know. Like it, it was, it was, uh, it, and so. Anyway, fast forward a few days, and I call this dude, and I'm just like, "Hey, what's up, man? It's me from Glad hand. That Was a great show the other day. Yeah, no, terrific show. I'm sure we talked about getting ripped off again at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I was just like, you know, I just wanted to know where you." got your t-shirts and your tapes and stuff and we just started bullshitting and we just like had like a rapport and just got along we were talking for like an hour and and then he was like um yeah man uh yeah you know like this is cool Slugbug's cool but he's like I'm starting another It's like I'm starting another thing me and the drummer are doing another thing right now cause you know like Brian's got a uh, hoodwink and all that kind of stuff, you know, and and yeah, we're starting another thing. It's going to be like a ska thing. We and we got the the bass player of Flowers,
2: and I was like, mm-hmm. and I,
1: I, I was like, I, I, you guys have like a network of bands, you know, that are like like established guys, like like the bass player of Flowers. Like that's like that's so cool. Like I like, but I'm like, okay, I don't know what I don't know what ska is. Right, uh-huh. and and he was like, Scotts, like, uh, it's like you know, like upstrokes. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. He's like, like Operation Ivy. I'm like, oh yes, I know Operation Ivy. Yes, mm-hmm. okay, that's what it is. That sounds cool. That'll 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 be that'll be a cool thing. Um, I had discovered Operation Ivy when I was on the metro train, and uh, kids saw like my, I don't know, I was wearing like a Jawbreaker T-shirt or something. Uh-huh. And then and they were like, "Well, we all had skateboards, and maybe I had like a something on my skateboard. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Whatever." And um, they were like, "Yo, you, you know, you're into Jawbreaker. You're into Minor Threat. Yeah. What? You like Operation Ivy? Never heard of them. You should check out Operation Ivy." And I was like, "Okay," because that's how you found out about things back in the days before the internet, where yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> you had to like meet a random skateboarder <laughs> and be holding a skateboard yourself,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: like. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he was like, yeah, you know, we're doing this, uh, me and the drummer, and we got this bass player from that band Flowers, as though I had any fucking idea what that was. And uh, he's like, we just don't have a singer. And we'd been talking for, like, an hour, and so I was kind of like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you're really looking for a singer and you're interested, I'd love to, like, come out and, you know. And do it or whatever. And um he was kinda like Yeah, that's pretty much the whole reason that like we're having this conversation. <laughs> 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 you know like, uh, I mean he played he played he played it super cool but like I think that uh the thing was that like at having having like struggled through like a, a bunch of different iterations of my voice being like kind of like terrible and stupid, and then like really like kind of like looking up to the way Robbie from Goo Goo Dolls' voice sounded. I kind of staggered into doing something that was a little bit unique. Mm-hmm.
2: That
1: you you know that like and it, it's it's not it's not unique per se, but like in the world of a bunch of sixteen year olds, yeah, like. I had like a voice that was like that growled, right? And that was like right. A thing that was not common. You know. Yeah,
0: it, it, it it's kind of like when you put a Cold Play song at the uh bridge of uh your punk band song. <laughs> it's that oh, that's that right. outside influence that um it makes sense in the in the scheme of rock and roll but maybe not in the scheme of punk rock or ska. Mhm
1: mhm. Yeah, exactly. And so so anyway, I um I went out there. Elgin. It was Elgin. Mm-hmm. Saw the dude from Slugbug, the two dudes. The guy from Flowers walked down the stairs. And he was like totally like swept back kind of hair that was like a little bit bleached. Uh-huh. And he was like, hey, what's happening? You know, like kind of like really aloof. And I was just like really nervous. And they had like really nice equipment and they were all like super kind and it was like a really nice space. And um and that was the first slapstick practice. That was Danny Andriano with his hair fucking pushed back, walking mm-hmm. down the stairs, being aloof. Matt Stamps was the guitar player, Robbie Kellenberger, the drummer, and um, you know, the way I, and then Pat Ford was there. Pat Ford from Colossal, he was mm-hmm. the singer and guitar player of Flowers. Um, yeah. that that was Danny's band that he was in. And he was there just sitting there. And also Steve Katzel, who went on to be a tricky dick and mm-hmm. recently passed away. And mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and he was he was in Slugbug as well. He was the bass player of Slugbug. Oh wow. Um and those guys were there Essentially to be like uh, we'll tell you if this Peg guy's a, and, a bad uh, <laughs> idea. Uh-huh. You, you know? Like so they all that we all practiced. And I started singing, kind of like making up words. And um, I remember at one point I was like, well, what would you do with something like this, Pat? And he got on the mic and started kind of singing. And I was like, oh, this guy's so much better than me. That, I don't know why they would have me sing if this guy's here. But I guess he's in this other band that's, you know, more important or mm-hmm. whatever. But then afterwards, everybody was like, all right, great, so when are we going to practice again? You know, like it was wow. like that. There was no, like... It wasn't like a tryout, even. It was like... Mm-hmm. That was the first day of slapstick practice. I don't know that they'd played together before. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they probably had, but... Yeah. I don't... You know, it was just like as soon as the four of us were together, it kind of clicked, and it was just like, oh, yeah, of course, this is it. And, and, like, I mean, I said this yesterday, and I don't know how it came up, because... By this time yesterday, I was talking about like the the final lineup of slapstick that people are like familiar with. But mm-hmm. I mean, just to be in that room—I mean, even just in that room—with um, Dan Andriano, Matt Stamps, uh, Rob Kellenberger, Steve Katzel, Pat Ford—these are like some extraordinarily talented people—and like there's like I. I can't mention enough like how much I learned from all those guys I mean like Matt Stamps literally told me what punk rock is mm-hmm. It like it, until like he was like but you like punk rock I'm like I don't do I and he's like like this band and I'm like and so also these guys he's like no that's not punk he's like do you uh-huh. not see like what these things have in common and like he I mean Robbie Kellenberger taught, and Steve Katzel they like taught us how to be funny like if it, mm-hmm. it, like it, it's like uh i mean they they're just like beyond being like brilliant musicians they were like had such great pop sensibility and like such like fast minds and it was like it was just like the from that moment on i was like a i i i was in a different like uh it was like i went to an accelerated school And I had to suddenly be as good as all those kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. And I would say to this day, I am not as good as any of those kids at anything. But, like, uh, the kick in the ass really um, was crucial to my development, I guess. Um,
0: You get motivated by people around you who are better. It's It's like playing sports. You get better at them by playing with people who are better than you. And... With all of that learning, all of that talent, all of that, uh, you know, idealism and uh, all of that humor. It's like, OK, all of this stuff that like I have inside of me just comes out because I'm trying to keep up. I'm trying to trying to make these people laugh. I'm trying to impress these musicians. That's yeah. the, the best motivator you could have.
1: Absolutely. And uh, I mean, and it's like it's like the best team ever and like you know mm-hmm. uh, later on when like Pete Anna and Dan Hannaway would join it's just like those guys are fucking geniuses too <laughs> like, it's just like crazy how um, how unbelievably how much unbelievable talent that just like accidentally got thrown together with the idea of like a band that I don't think any of us even knew what it was you know like it was like A ska band. Yeah. I I don't think anybody thought it was going to sound like it did. You know, we started out, we were a Um, four-piece. It's just like, you know, eventually we, Pete left Hoodwink to come to Slapstick. So it was Mm -hmm. like, the whole thing was like, I don't know. It it, it was just like really fucking magical to, uh, to have... That experience with those those guys and i mean like i i have like friendships with them that like range from like really really great to strained and i i still would do anything for any of those dudes.
0: yeah and uh the to see the way things have branched off in the way that you know everybody has continued to I think motivate each other even outside of their different projects. That's the that's the piece and to see uh, what came from it. It's still an amazing little piece of cosmos. Mm-hmm. So we came into this uh, with one question and we answered that question and now <laughs> our time is up. We're going to put uh. it this on pause and we'll pick up slapstick next week with I think the same intention of let's let the story unfold we'll find a good place to uh, stop after we reach an amount of time and we'll go from there because to me what this podcast started out as was Brendan Kelly's talking about every single one of his records but what's becoming uh, better and better about this podcast is Brendan
1: Kelly is talking <laughs> well, that's always happening, <laughs> whether it's on a podcast or not. In fact, um, I was just hanging out with a friend of mine the other night, and he like, and I was making fun of him because he he's the kind of guy that will just go. I'm bored of this conversation. I'm leaving. Like, and you know, like he used to be a coworker of mine, and he would do that. Mm-hmm. We'd do like work things, and he'd be like. Yeah, no, this doesn't interest me. I'm going home, right? And then I, I was, I was kind of like busting his balls about that a little. He's like, "Yeah, but you'd never shut up if I didn't tell you to shut up." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, but I don't mean you just do it to me." And that like that's correct, <laughs> but, I, I, <laughs> but I didn't mean you just did it to me. I meant uh, you just do it to everyone, anyway. <laughs>
0: Well, I remember the first time that we met up to talk about doing this thing, and I was just sitting there saying, I I don't know how this hasn't happened already. I have no idea why this hasn't been thought of, and it's an idea that I take no credit for because it was just hanging there. So." (laughs) It's exciting. Um, it's, uh, it remains exciting even when we deal with the kind of mundane frustrations that we dealt with this week to get through this episode. But we love doing it. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. Uh, we invite you to go on over there and check out interviews that posted this week with fucking Chris number two and fucking Matt Allison. Like just as a as a spectator, I was having a blast.
1: Yeah and we're, we got a good one coming up next week too. I've already we have we have secured the guests so um, I can tell you with authority that it will be another one for the fucking record books and I can't wait to tell this exact story about slapstick again tomorrow. but <laughs> <When, laughs> somehow this doesn't go.
0: As well, there's no need to lament on the impossible podcast. Uh, Patreon.com slash Better Sandwich. Rate, subscribe on your podcast player of choice. Tell a friend, Brandon at gmail.com. We will be back next week. Thanks, brothers.
1: Later, guys, gals, everyone.